0: Welcome to Hour 2 of Sports Saturday on KLBJ with hosts Ed and Ben Clements. They're taking calls at 512-836-0590 or toll-free at 877-590-KLBJ.
1: Hi again, everyone. I'm Ed Clements, and welcome to the End Zone Club on KLBJ Radio. Proudly brought to you by Plains Capital Bank, Howery, Breen, and Herman Attorneys at Law, COVID and Bastrop, Delaware Subs, Sue Patrick at 5222 Burnett Road, Pokey Joe's Barbecue, s and Amusements, and by Dirty Martin's Place. I'm Ed Clements along with Ben Clements. We are live from the Big Easy, a.k.a. New Orleans, Louisiana, where the Longhorns battle the Washington Huskies Monday night in game two of the two-game matchup. Ben, good afternoon. How are you? Uh, I never thought this show was going to happen when we'd be in New Orleans with a Final Four team, the Texas Longhorns. But Steve Sarkisian and the Longhorns have played beautiful this year, only one loss, and they face a very good undefeated Husky team on Monday night.
0: Yeah, Pop, it's uh, it's a lot of fun to be in New Orleans, my second favorite place in the world, a sinful, lawless town we're in, <laughs> Louisiana. But like you said, Pop, when these, these playoffs were, were created – I didn't think we'd see Texas in them anytime soon until there is an expansion, but to see Texas in the final four, I think all of all of Longhorn Nation is pinching themselves right now. So it's going to be a great game, a scary game, but we're finally here. It's been a
1: long time since the Texas-Alabama game of Colt McCoy and then longer than the, the Vince Young game against USC, but it is an excitement like I haven't seen in a long, long time. I'm older. I remember the 63 national championship team, the 69 team, Vince's team, uh, the, the sorry, sorry story of the Colt injury against Alabama, but this is really fun with the Longhorns in the Final Four.
0: Well, you say that. Well, you know it seems like a long time ago is the Texas-Alabama game in Tuscaloosa. Does that not feel like – it feels like yesterday, but it feels like a lifetime ago. A lot has changed. A lot has transpired since then. Uh, Texas has had a loss. Alabama has gone undefeated since then. They're a whole different team. And meanwhile, Washington has just gone wire to wire with wins over there in the Pac-12. A lot has changed since then. I think Texas has gotten better. Washington has gotten better. Alabama has, I think, improved the most out of any of these playoff teams – and Michigan, they've gone through a lot of scrutiny. They've been walking on eggshells since uh, week three of the college football season, week two, whatever it was. But you know, this has been a long season for the Longhorn fans, and it's been a it's been a long journey since 2009, the last time the Longhorns were in this uh, big of a of a matchup. So you know, it's kind of gone full so- circle for the Longhorn fans and for us.
1: Yeah, and the in the third year of Steve Sarkeesian. Everything went well. It was a charm charmed life, Uh, unlike the first two seasons uh, with Steve and the Longhorns when they couldn't get a break. They couldn't win the close game. Lo and behold, this year, they defeat Houston in a close game. They defeat Kansas State in an uber-close game. They defeat TCU in a close game. And quite frankly, Ben, the game that they, they lost, Oklahoma, that thing was well in hand until the final minute 30
0: of the game. Yeah, it was and I think Texas has learned since then they've improved since then. God knows I think their 2-minute defense will have improved since then. So, you know, this is going to be it's going to be a fun weekend, the two big games tomorrow. We've seen a lot of great football up until now. I think Texas fans are going to this with with a smile on their face, seeing their two arch rivals lose their bowl games. Oklahoma losing um, to Arizona. We saw the Texas A&M Aggies get thromped by Oklahoma State. So this has been a, a good bowl season so far for Longhorn fans.
1: It really has. And I hate to say that because I have Longhorn, I've got Aggie fans and a few OU fans. But yeah, I didn't break my heart to see either of those teams lose. And let's talk about the bowl season. I, I read a great piece in the, the Wall Street Journal. They've got a guy named Jason Gay, who's a sports writer. He called the bowl season the zombie bowls because nobody's at these games. It is really, really, it's not strange because they are meaningless. I watched Notre Dame and Oregon State. Uh, DJ Ugla Layla of Oregon State, gone. Hartman, the quarterback for Notre Dame, gone. These are just meaningless uh, games and I guess it's just a, a a way for coaches to get a little scrimmage to see
0: before the spring practices. Well, before the trend, uh, yeah, I agree. It's just this is what kind of stinks about the about the bowl season with the playoff uh, selection. These games are meaningless. I did see I, I heard somebody or I read some some I think in mean, the athletic talking about how the only. I guess spin for coaches to have for these games is, Hey, this is good for next season. This is good for a preseason ranking who gives a, you know, what about preseason rankings, but I think that's the one benefit you get from this. Or if you're just a good old fashioned American, these football players, college kids just want to play one more game of football. Cause it could be the last game they ever play uh, in their life. It is, it sucks. I mean, for a gambler, it really sucks because you don't know who's going to play. You have no idea. Believe me, I have friends in Vegas and they don't know who to pick because you don't know the same team that's played the last 12 weeks. Um, It is also interesting because we've seen this a lot. There have been a lot of chippy games because these guys have had three weeks off. They've only been hitting each other. And so it's almost like the first game of the year where you just want to go hit somebody else. We've seen a lot of, of scruffles. We've seen a lot of fights, a lot of chippiness out of these games and... And that's just besides the point of it being, you know, strange, because there's not a lot of passion in these games for some of these teams, because it's not the same team. they're losing a lot of their leaders and captains and, and star players.
1: You know, it's been a good December for the Texas Longhorns, The win over Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. And then the high school recruiting period has been excellent for the Texas Longhorns. The transfer portal has been excellent for the Texas Longhorns. They picked up the defensive back from Clemson, who who played at uh, LBJ High School. They picked up an edge rusher from UT San Antonio, a wide receiver from the University of Houston. It's been goofy, though, because with the transfer portal, it is open in until i believe tuesday tuesday's the last day and that's why malik murphy is not with the texas team he had to make a decision before january 2nd and it's i know jeff and i've talked about it on 1027 espn a lot and malik going to duke which is great for malik murphy but you got arch manning back there who's been taking all the snaps as a second team quarterback
0: yeah. What, what are you bringing up Arch for? You, don't insinuate that he's going to transfer. What are you doing right now? No, I'm saying he's he's the backup quarterback. Yes, I'm saying, is. yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, now that you mention this, because I do wonder how many of the big players that are transferring are going to be making decisions solely based off these playoffs. Because like you said, it's it's the, it ends on Tuesday. So they have until after these playoffs to decide. You think that has anything to do with who, who, who a certain player is going to pick?
1: I think it could because I think it, I think that's why we've seen a lot of success for the Texas Longhorns because people uh, want to play for a winning program, and Steve Sarkeesian is doing it right. And next year, starting uh, with the SEC, I think a lot of players, success breeds success. That's what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll see a lot of players that will be influenced because I know Texas will have a lot of holes uh, hopefully after the January 8th game we're going to lose a lot of white weird. The Longhorns will lose a lot of wide receivers. AD Mitchell more than likely, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, maybe JT Sanders. But you know
0: that I think one huge tool that 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 Steve Sarkeesian has is right now getting ready to play uh, uh in a couple of days That's Quinn Ewers. If Quinn Ewers after the bowl game, after the playoff game, win or lose, if he were to make a statement on Twitter that morning saying, I'm coming back, you know that Steve Sarkeesian would get a half a dozen receivers, you know, declaring to Texas. You know it. I think you I think you're exactly right. Because and that's the
1: that's the sixty four thousand dollar question, what Quinn yours will do Monday night against Michael Pennick in Washington. If Quinn has an impressive game, as he did against Tech and Oklahoma State, and if he has an impressive game in the national championship game, it
0: would not uh, be surprised to me if he said, I'm going to go pro. All right. So, no, I agree. Um, so, this is the last year of the four-team playoff. Next year, it does go to 12. We were talking before the show started about what it might look like. Will it be starting right after the the, the conference championship games? Um, looking forward to the the 12-team playoff, um Are we going to miss this kind of excitement and spotlight on these four teams? Because it is a it's a semifinal, but it's just everything. The season revolves around two games, and that's the games that we're going to be watching uh, Monday night. Are we going to kind of miss that or just uh, this is it? This is the grand salami. I think this is this is this is really good.
1: Uh, there's a lot of debate about the number of teams. It's going to be 12 teams next year. And what the beautiful thing is, the top four teams next year will get a bye the first week, and the other teams, one of the the teams, a higher-ranked team, will get another home football game. How great would it be, Ben, to be at DKR Texas Memorial Stadium the second week of December or the third week of December? How fun would that be? I I, I think we'll still have the New Year's Bowls weekend with uh, the next games, and I think you'll have uh, the championship game, like it is now in early January.
0: I was <laughs> just laughing because, well, how cool it would be if they had the championship New Year's Day. New Year's Day was just the national. Ch- now, that'd be cool. It would kind of it'd be sad because the season would be ending a week earlier than usual, but um, how hard is the NCAA trying to make college football the NFL? How they with these home playoff games with with paying the players with the you know transfer basically is like, you know, you're a free agent. How I mean, it's turning into the NFL,
1: you know, it, it really is. But the, the NCAA has got to be a lot smarter because they had the high school uh, signing period the same time. As the transfer portal, which is a big mess, can you imagine? If NFL did that, they had free agency and then the draft before the playoff starts. It's silly. So the NCAA's got to get a lot smarter. But uh, I I just want to get away from the championship game from a darn Monday night. The championship game needs to be on a Saturday in college football.
0: I agree, but you got to give the guys more than five days to get prepared. Yeah, You have to. Monday, semi, followed by Saturday, same week. No, you know, I wouldn't say that. You, you, you can't do that. I, I just want it on a Saturday. Okay, well, the NFL, don't they have two weeks? It's two weeks until the, the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, the, they have a week off, yeah. They have a week off. Why don't, I mean, I get it. College is different, and one week should suffice. But if we're looking forward, because everything's going to change next year, with because it's going to be a three-week three, three week tournament, three-week playoffs, everything will have to change. Where I mean, an extra game— Right now, you know, what we're seeing playoff is semis in the championship. That's two games. It's a lot, but it's no, you know, it's nothing new to these guys. When you have three playoff games, it's not just a game because all the pressure. Everything is going around this game, so they'll have to change it up next year for a two-week grace period. Make it fan-friendly. We're broadcasting live from New Orleans, the scene
1: of the Sugar Bowl on Monday night, Texas and Washington. When we get back, we'll talk about the horns and the dogs, and we'll also talk about Alabama and Michigan here on the End Zone Club on KLBJ. Welcome back to the End Zone Club. Ed and Ben Clements live from New Orleans, the scene of the Horns and the Huskies on Monday night. Our show proudly brought to you by Howie Breen and Herman, Attorneys at Law, Plains Capital Bank, Covert in Bastrop, Delaware Subs, where they'll have two for one Philly cheesesteaks tomorrow. Sue Patrick, 5222 Burnett Road, Pokey Joe's Barbecue, Great Texas Barbecue, SB Amusements, and by Dirty Martin's Place. Ben, game one in the semis Monday, is Alabama and Michigan at the storied Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. Michigan, of course, undefeated. Alabama with the one loss to the Texas Longhorns. Let me just throw this out. I still don't know how good Jim Harbaugh and the
0: Michigan Wolverines are. Uh, no, well, because they haven't played anybody yet. And... They play such an old-school uh, game where they can slow the ball down. They can run it down your throat. They play really good defense up front. So, you know, it's it's just not that exciting football that we've been seeing around the country between Texas, Alabama, and, and Washington that, you know – Maybe it's just our dumb brains saying they're not that good. They're not scoring 60 points a game, or they're not throwing the ball for 400 yards a game. So maybe our brains trick us into saying they're not that good, but they get it done, even with all the scrutiny and then all the naysayers and all the, the, the bad publicity. They're still winning these games. They got the huge win against Ohio State, and that's good enough in my book for anybody. If you have that win, you're good for the season. That being said, J.J. McCarthy has not thrown a touchdown pass in four games. They have relied on the running back room, which they have done well. But, you know, in these playoff games, as we've seen throughout the years, you got to be two ways. you got to be able to throw and pass. And this Alabama team, they've had their back against the wall all season long. They've been talked about with, is this Nick Saban's downfall? Is the dynasty over? And they've really hurtled all those naysayers. So this is... I think, in my opinion, the toughest match anybody could have gotten that Michigan drew with Alabama.
1: Yeah, we saw that the day the selection committee came out and there was a a collective groan when Michigan drew Alabama. It's going to be interesting because Alabama is a a program filled with just flat-out... Athletes and they've got speed. It's much like Texas. They got great athletes. They've got speed. They got big, big guys on the offensive, defensive line. And Michigan has talented players. Michigan has something that I think is going to be advantage for them on Monday afternoon at four o'clock from the Rose Bowl. They've been there before. They were there last year and they had a very embarrassing loss to TCU. TCU and Sonny Dykes outcoached them and outplayed them. And I think that's been sticking in the craw of Harbaugh and Michigan for the entire year.
0: Yeah, uh it's it's two it's two a tale of two cities because Michigan is trying to get over that hump and and try to prove that they deserve and they're worthy of a championship. Alabama, on the other hand, they're kind of trying to prove that they still belong and that it's not over, that Nick Saban can still go and that Alabama was not a a a fake team this year. One thing that, you know, Alabama does have against them is Jalen Milro does not have a single receiver that's that's has a thousand yards. He's not the best passer. He's improved, but their bread and butter is him and his legs and him running and him being able to create plays on the run. And Michigan has a very good defense, notably their linebackers and their defensive line. So, you know, how is that gonna work with with Jalen Milro not being able to make magic on his feet like he has since the Texas game? I think I think Alabama has been more battle tested with their win at home against
1: LSU. They also had the the game against Texas when the Horns won by double digits. They had the big scare against, uh, against Auburn when they had to score on the fourth and 31, and they were so impressive against two-time national championship Georgia. I think they've really been tested. I don't know that Michigan has been tested this year, and I'm wondering what's going to happen if Michigan gets behind seven or 10 points.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, J.J. McCarthy... He's not that quarterback that's going to put the team on his back. They've had to rely on Blake Corum, their running back, who for two years now has been amongst the best running backs in the country. But Alabama's defensive line, per usual, is a bunch of dogs. They're huge. They're big, and they're fast, and they play like Alabama defensive linemen. So, you know, if Mich- Michigan goes down, good night, thanks for playing. They're not going to come back. Alabama's too good. They've improved too much, and really – they're too scary for anybody. I know that Michigan beat Ohio State. Ohio State, they wouldn't they wouldn't they wouldn't beat Alabama. Alabama is the best team in the country right now in my book. That's even though they lost to Texas. So Michigan will have to just beat them to death on the trenches and Blake Corum will need to have one of those 200-yard games for Michigan to really have a chance in my opinion
1: let's talk about the Longhorns in Washington it's going to be Michael Pettick the Heisman runner-up against Quinn Ewers we saw him last year we were there at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio when uh, Washington won by seven remember the Longhorns didn't have Bijan Roshan or Overshaw I think it's just a different team this is a more mature Texas team I think it's going to be a high scoring affair because you've got two quarterbacks who like to sling the ball
0: yeah uh, I saw that Vegas. Um Sixty-four percent of the bets were on Texas. ESPN had similar numbers on where they give their percentage on Texas winning. Surprising to me that they are four and a half point favorites at four now. Or is it four and a half? I think it's still four. Four. Um, the Texas is that favorite, but you know, you can we can go down the nitty gritty for two hours talking about where the advantages and disadvantages are for Texas. Obviously, I think the advantage is Quinn Ewers. Obviously, Michael Penix was in New York for the Heisman. He had an amazing season, but Quinn Ewers is the most prolific passer in the country right now. He is first or second in all four categories, um, minus uh, uh, yards per attempt, but the guy didn't even play three games. So Quinn Ewers with this receiving core Texas has, they can beat anybody where Texas is going to be tested as the defensive backs because Michael Penix, he has 2000 yard uh, receivers to, to pick Texas apart with. So, this will be a huge test. We saw against against uh against Houston, Texas was exposed uh at their defensive backs. Texas should have lost that game at one point, might say, cuz the defensive back. So, this will be a very high-scoring game. I'm this might be a 52-48 48-45 kind of game, but it, I this will be a who gets the ball last. I, I agree cuz
1: I think Washington can score. I think Texas can score. The thing I I want to see can the Texas defensive uh, front, led by Sweat, uh, can they stop the running game of Washington? And can they can they force Pinnick just to pass? Because I think you got to have some run game with a pass game. And I'm confident Texas is going to be able to run the ball against Washington.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. But you know, and you can't count out Dylan Johnson, the running back for Washington, who has 1,100 yards in the season. Um, a very very good. Uh, secondary to Michael Penix, a, a good option that Washington has. But like you said, with Texas' defensive line, the clear best in the country, led by Sweat, it'll be tough for Washington to, to run the ball. So you know you know they're going to be passing, I'd say, 80% of the time because why wouldn't you? They We've seen the tape. Everybody's seen the tape. They have it. They can expose Texas' defensive back. So how Steve Sarkeesian will get them prepared for that, I don't know. But – This will be, this is going to look like a Big 12 game. It's going to be a lot of passing and a lot of points.
1: I can't wait to see the first couple of series for the Texas Longhorns because I think that's where Steve Sarkeesian's strength is with game planning a game and those first few series. It's always fun to see what he what he does. I think the onus, Ben, I think you're exactly right, is going to be on the Texas defensive back, Michael Taff and the other guys. But I think they're up to it. But I think you pressure uh, Michael Penix, get him to to go to his right, not his left. It could be it could be the
0: the, the tonic for Texas. Well, we saw this. Um, this happened at Oklahoma State, where Oklahoma State players led by their running back. We're talking a little trash before the game, um, saying Texas was not as good as, as they are led to, uh, to, to show. But we saw that already this week. Uh, one of Washington's offensive linemen, I believe, uh, said that, you know, Texas is good, but it's not like we're playing the San Francisco 49ers out there. A- well done, Sherlock. They're not You're not playing the 49ers. This isn't an NFL team, but that is exactly what Texas needed. A little motivation, um, a little slight to get that edge and to get a little more, all right, let's go get them, that we've seen for Texas, and it works. It's kind of like Michael Jordan. You need one little thing to pick you up, and that's the thing that Steve Sarkeesian just got.
1: Yeah, that's going both ways, too, because I know the Washington players are saying, why are we underdogs again? They were nine-point dogs to, to Oregon. In the uh, Pac 12 championship game. Now they're four point dogs. They say they're not getting any respect. Well, we need to take a break. After this break, more on the Longhorns and Washington. And we'll also talk about them, Dallas Cowboys, who play in uh, within an hour in Arlington against the Detroit Lions in a big game for the Cowboys. A must win, I believe. We'll talk about that and much, much more when we return to the end zone club from New Orleans, Louisiana, here on News Radio 590 KLBJ. Hi again, everyone. I'm Ed Clements, along with Ben Clements. This is the End Zone Club from New Orleans, Louisiana, where the Longhorns battle the Washington Huskies Monday night at 745. Our show proudly brought to you by Plains Capital Bank, Howie Breen and Herman, Attorneys at Law, Covert and Bastrop, Delaware Subs, two-for-one cheesesteaks tomorrow, Sue Patrick at 5222 Burnett Road, Pokey Joe's Barbecue, S&B Amusements, and by Dirty Martin's Place. Ben, not only college football been going on all week long, but there's NFL football action uh, within the hour. Detroit at Dallas. Game can be heard on our sister station, 1027 ESPN. Detroit, winners of the NFC North versus the Cowboys. Cowboys uh, are five and a half point favorites, and they got to write that proverbial ship quickly because, uh, in my estimation, they never should have lost to the Dolphins last week. Cowboys are favored by five and a half. Uh, if they have any hope of winning that division, they got to win tonight.
0: Uh, yeah, Pop. Uh, Cowboys two game losing streak. Lions on a two game winning streak. Uh, Cowboys desperately need a win. They look so good throughout the season. the The best looking team at home. Um, but you know, on the road, it's a it's a different story. So Cowboys really need a big win against these Lions. Jared Goff has been very, very good this year. Flip side, Dak Prescott's been very good this year. It is a, there's a lot of competition in both divisions right now, in both conferences for the first place um, race. But the Cowboys, I think they're a streaky team. It's kind of like you need some you need one little spark and they'll be back to form. So. You know, it's Dak Prescott, he he needs to get the ball, you know, into C.D. Lamb's hands. He needs to find Brandon Cooks more. He needs to, you know, he'll look very good in games, like he's the best quarterback in football. And then he's an interception machine. Tony Pollard has been also awfully quiet for the majority of the season. So Mike McCarthy think he's, he's earned the Cowboys' faith at this point in drawing up a very good blueprint in these games. So it, it's a huge game for, for, for Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys.
1: Two regular season games remaining for the Cowboys. Tonight's game against Detroit, next week against the Commanders. Cowboys got to win both, and they got to have a whole bunch of magic with Philadelphia. Philadelphia gets Arizona, and then they get the New York football giants again. Those should be gimmies. So they're already in the playoffs. Cowboys are going to be the top— top uh, wild card, but Philly is in, Dallas is in, Detroit is in, in San Francisco. Those are the teams in in the NFC. Those teams already qualified for the playoffs in the AFC. Miami, Baltimore, and Cleveland. Let's talk about Cleveland. They won the Thursday night game over the hapless, and I mean terrible, New York football giants, but what a story this is. Cleveland loses to Sean Watson, and you think all is lost. They get Joe Flacco from I don't know where, and Joe Flacco has got the magic he had when he won a Super Bowl for the Baltimore Ravens.
0: Yeah, he uh, he's had the most touchdowns in his time with the Browns in the NFL, but he's also had, I think, the most interceptions. He's looked fantastic. He has looked amazing. He brings that uh maturity that experience that it's really hard to find because I would consider him part of the old guard a part of the Aaron Rodgers Ben Roethlisberger Tom Brady you know the early 2000s guys that he can still sling it he's he's composed which you don't see in these young quarterbacks he's smart he can read a defense better and he can also lead a team which I applaud the Browns because they went and got a guy that They know has been there before. I love Joe Flacco. It's really fun to watch. And he's, I think, done something to Cleveland that we haven't seen in a long time, giving them a sense of stability and maturity and somebody that's not going to fold under pressure. You know, if the Browns need a a fourth quarter drive, I would choose him above 90 percent of the quarterbacks in the NFL right now.
1: I I think he's done a great job, and I think it's so funny because the fools that are the owners of the Cleveland Browns pay Deshaun Watson a guaranteed contract. He's hurt for the rest of the year. They're still paying him. They're getting Joe Flacco for a song, but now he's led them to the playoffs. I think it's an amazing story.
0: Real quick, can we talk about other uh, uh, organizations making bonehead calls with quarterbacks? The Denver Broncos and oh, Russell right. Russell Wilson. Uh, we haven't discussed this. Well, you and I haven't talked about this since it all broke. But Russell Wilson has been benched, um, likely to be J- Jared Stidham from Stephenville High School starting for yeah. the Broncos. Excuse me. Uh, likely to be cut from the team. That's what the sources are saying out of out of Denver. They're paying him king's ransom to to play for their organization, and yet it seems like they're going to cut those ties really quicker than it took anybody to get used to seeing Russell Wilson in a, uh, a Broncos jersey. That is the weirdest situation I've seen. Like what it was a blockbuster move when they when they when they acquired him from Seattle, but and they haven't looked that bad this year. What happened? I mean, they they've looked good, but there are times that they've looked, you know, not bad. I really something must have happened in the locker room. Something had to have Hadworth.
1: I think it's Russell Wilson's wife. Is it she, she, Sierra? Sierra. I think his his game's gone south since he got married to her. And I'm not knocking marriage or anything but I just don't think he's, play, he's played well since they got married. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, this isn't golf.
0: It's not like, you know. Tiger Woods. and it's not like Jordan Spieth or Rory losing their game after getting married. Because I think him and Sierra have been married for long enough. I just, I wonder what's going to become of Russell Wilson. If you get him into the right situation, he's, he's very good. I mean, I would put him over—I I think he's better than Joe Flacco, to be oh, honest think, with you. I think he is, too. So I just don't think he's in the right situation. He's got some receivers there. Um, his best receiver, Cortland Sutton, he is out this week. But, you know, he's got some talent there in Denver. I just—I don't know what happened, what went wrong.
1: I, I don't either. It's just been a really, really weird situation. But who would have thought— here uh, near New Year's Eve. Uh, Aaron Rodgers hasn't played all year long. Uh, Joe Burrow is gone. Russell Wilson is gone. And other quarterbacks are gone for NFL teams. Deshaun Watson, it's been a crazy situation. Let's talk about Miami at Baltimore. Cowboys lost to Miami last Sunday. Baltimore rolled over the San Francisco 49ers. Is this the best team in football, the Baltimore Colts?
0: Yeah, I, my – how things changed within three and a half hours of that game. Before the game started, Brock Purdy, front runner for the MVP, 49ers, clear best team in the NFL. Three and a half hours later, Brock Purdy throws four interceptions, no touchdowns, has less than 200 yards throwing. He's out of the MVP race in my opinion. All of a sudden, the, the Ravens are the best team. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is the front runner for the MVP, and 49ers are kind of, you know, they're on their heels looking like they might be clowns after that game. So things really changed. Lamar Jackson and and, and, the, Ori- and the Orioles and the Ravens are the best team with the best quarterback in the NFL. It just took them to play the quote unquote best team to really show the world that, hey, stop overlooking us. And this is also Lamar Jackson who how many teams passed up on him yeah. in the offseason. Yeah. He was a free agent, he was his own agent, he was making his own deals and everybody passed on him. Nobody believed in him. It's it's crazy. Which, which gets me back to the Cowboys. If the Cowboys
1: would win the games they should have won at Philly, Miami, at Arizona, they'd have home field advantage. The Cowboys, you said this earlier, the best home team in the NFL, but they scare me to death going on the road in the playoffs, and that includes a possible first-round uh, first,
0: first round playoff game uh, against uh, against uh, Detroit Lions or the Rams. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. I've never seen a team that is that vastly different at a home in a way. You know, they have some serious separation anxiety from Dallas because it's two different teams. But right now, I would take the Cowboys of the 49ers after what we saw with, with Brock Purdy. They still have Chris McCaffrey, the 49ers do, who's still the most prolific rusher of the NFL. But when you don't have a quarterback that can put up any kind of help, your the ship is going to sink. The Eagles are fighting back slowly. They're they're. They're escaping by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin, chin, so they're always a scary team. But right now, the Ravens will and could and would beat anybody in the league. Don't look now, but that division, you could have the Ravens, you're
1: could have going to have the Ravens and Cleveland, and you could have Pittsburgh in the playoffs as well. Let's talk about another team fighting for the playoffs. That's the Houston Texans. They get C.J. Stroud back tomorrow against Tennessee. Three teams are tied for the lead in that South. Uh, Jacksonville, Indianapolis and Houston, that's, that's a wild situation. It's a lot
0: of nice teams, but they're not great teams. Well, yeah, I mean, they're all good. It's, it's not going to last long. It's, somebody's got to win the division. That's kind of the, somebody's got to win it. None of them are going to get very far. Real quick. Mitch, we're sorry we haven't done this yet. we got to talk about the Bills. The Bills are playing good right now. That's the team nobody wants to see in the playoffs. Josh Allen and the offense have found their mojo. They finally got a rushing game. Um, They had a great win last week. Defense has finally started defending and getting turnovers. The Bills are one of the low-key scariest teams in the NFL right now.
1: I agree with that entirely. Tomorrow they get New England. In Buffalo, they're favored by a whopping 14. And I would love to see Mitch Morris, our buddy from here in Austin, and the Buffalo Bills get a win and hopefully get a big step towards uh, a a wild card berth.
0: Also, I think we should just say this. The Chiefs are dead. It's over. Sayonara. Finito. They're losing their minds. They're losing their heads. They're just – they can't control their emotions. They can't win. A horrible loss against the Raiders. The Chiefs are dead. They get the Bengals, and the Bengals are
1: searching for a wild card, too. I agree, Ben. They're throwing their helmets or yelling at each other. You know, uh, they're not very happy.
0: Yeah, I, I've never seen Patrick Mahomes act like this, never seen Andy Reid act like this. Travis Kelsey is, is getting in his spats with coaches and throwing his helmet. It all started, I'll just say it, we haven't talked about it, when Taylor Swift got in the picture, so maybe there's a little connection there. But the Chiefs, this is so unlike them. It doesn't help when – when Patrick Mahomes doesn't have any type of receiver that he can rely on like he did with, with Tyreek Hill because you can't throw it to uh, Travis Kelsey every time, but Andy Reid has got to figure something out. Wait a minute. You got on me when I questioned Sierra, Chiera,
1: and Russell Wilson, and you're talking about Taylor Swift and Kelsey. Because I'm
0: fairly certain they, they, the Seahawks went to a Super Bowl when he was married to Sierra. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know the relationship that well, like my other celebrity um, obsessions, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. I'm just saying, though. The Chiefs were good up until this year. Uh, yes, they got rid of all the receivers, but, you know, when you're having to rely on guys like Valdez Scantley, you're, you're
1: screwed. What, one word: Tyree kill when they lost that. They lost the heart and soul of their wide receiver core. we got to take a break. After this break, some more comments on Texas and Washington and much, much more. Ed Clements and Ben Clements from New Orleans, the side of the Longhorns, and Washington on Monday night at 745. Back with more on the End Zone Club after this timeout. Welcome back to the End Zone Club. I'm Ed Clements, along with Ben Clements, broadcasting from New Orleans, the scene of the Longhorns and the Washington Huskies on Monday night. Our show proudly brought to you by Covert and Bastrop, Howie Breen and Herman, Attorneys at Law, Plains Capital Bank, Delaware Subs, Sue Patrick, Pokey Joe's Barbecue, and... S&B Amusements, and by Dirty Martin's Place. Well, Ben, uh, the Longhorns and Huskies in the second game, 745. Steve Sarkeesian and the Longhorns won the Big 12 championship, but undoubtedly this is the biggest football game of Steve Sarkeesian's coaching career. And ironically, he's a former head coach for the Washington Huskies.
0: Yeah, this is a big game, huge game. I'm happy that Texas got New Orleans for this one because it almost feels like uh, uh, comparatively to Washington it almost feels like a home game easy easy drive and flight for Texans i heard that it's probably going to be monday night 8020 yeah. texas fans versus washington fans well, not surprising i mean look at it, look at a map you're on the opposite side of the country for washington so you're SOL there but it'll be exciting i'm wondering uh, is the big 12 the conference going to be rooting for texas the SEC gonna be rooting for Texas? Don't you think the Big is rooting for Texas? No, nobody roots for Texas in the Big Twelve. Nobody roots for Texas in the SEC. Because nobody roots for Texas, man. Because don't, I mean, the Big Twelve can claim this championship. I and mean, when's the last time the Big Twelve had a had a national championship? It was uh, two thousand six. It, it was yeah, Vince. Yeah, yeah, Vince. So the Big Twelve can claim one more if Texas does it. Well, how
1: dare they do with Brent Yarmack, the commissioner, who belittled Texas in Lubbock early in the season? I don't. I
0: don't think Big Twelve. I don't I don't
1: think they want texas to win i don't think the big 12 does
0: well yeah it would it would be pretty uh crummy for the big 12 if if they're national champions for jumping ship uh i'm also i've been looking at kind of the pulse of college football and you know alabama's the big bad ship they're they're the death star That's that is the the you know that's the evil force that's been kind of blinding college football for 15, 20 years now. Except for the last two years with Georgia, and I agree with that, except but for the last two years. SEC, the and yep. then Michigan also. People do not like Michigan right now because of the Jim Harbaugh scandal and with, with all that looming. Texas and Washington, they're not the darlings of college football, but of these playoffs they are. And really, this game, Texas-Washington, is – if you want to call a game an underdog, it's the underdog, because everybody's paid attention to Alabama and Michigan. That's the two winningest programs in college football. That's the, the Blue Bloods. That's the you know most historic programs in football. When Texas and Washington, very different style of play, but that's the underdog. Well, yeah,
1: where was game day? Game day is into the Rose Bowl. They're, they're not even there. Their they're big guys are in Pasadena. So, yeah, I think – I really let me just say this. I think the winner of the Monday night game between Texas and Washington, which I think will be Texas, could be the
0: national champion. Yeah, uh, you know we've seen it. Texas, Washington, both need to be hoping Michigan wins because Alabama is the scariest team in football right now. Michigan is very beatable, at least for Texas's sake you have to fo- you have to hope for michigan because you won't beat Nick Saban twice unless you have an NFL logo on your jersey uh-huh. you will not beat Alabama twice and michigan is the beatable team that's why i give the biggest edge of these whole playoffs to alabama because michigan their road ends in la probably give me the name
1: in the washington texas game a player that's going to be standing out I, i've got I'll, I'll do it first uh, ad mitchell who's been in these big games like this. I think A.D. Mitchell has been great all year long. We were there at TCU Texas when he made the amazing catch. We've seen him make some great catches throughout the year. I think A.D. Mitchell is a guy, with along with Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington, they're going to have a big game.
0: I think you'll be Jivtavion Sanders. Uh, Texas has a very good receiving core, and you know that Washington, they're going to be eyeing on Xavier Worthy and uh, A.D. Mitchell Jatavion Sanders, who has been so good at times, but also been quiet at times this season, he will come out and I think he will be a a uh, David Thomas S for, for for Quinn Ewers. He will be the go-to guy, Mr. Reliable, and I'm expecting Jatavion Sanders to have a 100-yard game.
1: One thing about this game that's going to be interesting to see, and I think neither team will suffer from this, is uh, a, a, a letdown after a month because I think these guys have been honed in for a month because this is not just a run-of-the-mill bowl game. This is for the semifinals and the, the national championship uh, a week from Monday. So I usually in some of these bowls game, they struggle, motion, penalties. I, I hope we don't see this from either team, especially the Texas Longhorns.
0: I, I don't think we'll see that, Pop. There's a reason why these these four teams are in the playoffs. They're the best Teams physically and athletically, and also they're the most uh, uh, well coached. They're the most disciplined. So, I don't expect any slow play, any any slow starts. And like you said, this is this is Steve Sarkeesian's. This is his forte here. Quick start, having a very good blueprint for the first two, three, four drives. I'm expecting both teams to come out and get a score early. I'm expecting this to be a high-scoring game, and that means Quinn Ears will come out and he'll lead his team down the field and get a touchdown, and then Michael Penix will do the same thing and lead his team down and get a touchdown. There'll be no time to breathe for either of these teams with the fast play, with the high-flying ball, with two quarterbacks that love to pass, and two defenses that love to put pressure on. So this will be an exciting game. Alabama-Michigan will be a little slower. We'll see a lot more running, a lot more uh, uh, trench work, and a lot more running backs. But this Texas-Washington game will be the most exciting game of the ball season.
1: As we close out the show, predictions for Alabama-Michigan
0: final score and keys in that game, Ben? Uh, Well, my prediction is going to be Alabama 35, Michigan 17. I don't think Michigan will be able to, to hold on for, for very long against Alabama. Jalen Milroe is going to have a, a huge game, and Michigan, they'll pull off a couple big runs, but Alabama's offense will just be too good, too fast, and they're getting better every week. So 35-17 Alabama. I too am going
1: to pick Alabama. I'm, I'm making it 24 to 14. I just think the SEC and what Alabama's done in the SEC with wins over LSU, the win over Georgia, uh, the win over uh, Auburn late. I just think they have too much experience for a Michigan team. And again, I'll say this: the jury's out. And plus, I'm disappointed with what Harbaugh's pulled this year. All the shenanigans with the the sign stealing and all the stuff. I, I'm just, I just, it's hard for me to say. But I, I want
0: Alabama to win. Yeah, I mean, for Texas's sake, I want Michigan to win, but I do too. I, you know, Michigan has gone from a, a sympathetic figure to a get these guys out of here, especially Jim Harbaugh. So uh, Alabama is probably who most of the country's rooting for to make it. And if you want the better game in the championship, you want Alabama.
1: Okay, final score for Texas and Washington on Monday night after the Alabama-Michigan game. I'll do first. I say the Longhorns win 47-43. to Oh, no, I'll make it. Yeah, I'll make it. Yeah, 47-43, something like that. Burt
0: Auburn's going to play a key role for the Longhorns, the place kicker. 45-38, Texas. They win late. This is going to come down to the fourth quarter. It's going to be a very tight game. Quinn Uris should will have a big game, I think, um I think Jatavion Sanders will be the MVP. He'll have a couple scores. Xavier's going to have a score. He might have a punt return score. And A.D. Mitchell will be the guy that I think, when it comes down to it, will get the big play at the end.
1: It's going to be a lot of fun, and I just can't wait uh, till see what happens probably about midnight on Monday night. And then if the Longhorns win, how sweet will it be a week from today? We'll be at uh, the Deep pedicator heavy- places uh, for a a national championship preview which I really believe again if you told me this uh, after the Houston game I would have laughed if you would have told me this after the K-State game I would have laughed but there's no laughing here as how great would it be for the Longhorns to win
0: uh, in New Orleans on Monday it'd be a long time coming to go full circle this one is for Colt this one's for Mac this is for that whole 2009 team that couldn't get it done so uh,
1: that's going to wrap it up for our broadcast from uh, the Sugar Bowl. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Many thanks to our sponsors, Plains Capital Bank, Howry Breen and Herman, Covert and Bastrop, Delaware Subs, Sue Patrick, Pokey Joe's Barbecue, S&B Amusants, and by Dirty Martin's Place. We'll see you a week from Saturday. And again, knock on wood, hope it's a national championship preview. For Ben Clements, I'm Ed Clements. Thanks to Garrett Wilson back of the studio We'll talk to you next week here on the End Zone Club on News Radio 590. KLBJ.